While you're standing, let's go to the Word of God in honor of the fact that it's alive and well today in 23, and we can stand for that, right? We can stand for the Word. It's not a book. It's seed that has flourished. It's alive, life-changing. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, when you have it, say amen. Wow, they're fast, Jen. When you don't have it, say, wait a minute. The same person who said they had it said, wait a minute. Now I'm really perplexed. Verse one, this is Paul speaking. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then, everybody say then, make my joy complete. This is Paul talking to the, the church of Philippi about what would make Paul feel complete as their pastor, be like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit, in one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing, just kill the keyboards right there. Out of selfish ambition or vain or conceit, rather in humility above others, yourselves pardon the tech the tech issues guys is part of the part of the drill but we don't need tech to praise god and we don't need tech to read scripture but it's nice when it works okay i just say it like it is verse five verse four let's do verse three what what the hey do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Look to your neighbor and say, your interests. Your interests. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another. Oh, this has been a love language month about what? Relationships. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. He's not trying to use God. How many know somebody that's trying to use God and they're being blinded by the devil? He's a liar. The enemy is a liar. What even Christ said, he has a flesh. I am equal because I am one and I can't be above or below. We are one. Verse 7, because rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being, this is, now he's talking about Jesus here, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Yes, Camilla, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Every knee should bow at the only name. In every tongue, I acknowledge right now, I profess with my mouth, that's my tongue. Acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And everybody say amen. Okay, as you take your seats, find somebody and say, you're first. You're first. Come on, find somebody. You're first. The devil don't like today.
If we get to crackling again, just say, I don't think so, devil. We don't know what it is, but the devil don't like God's house. We think it's the keyboard having a malfunction. So we turn that off, but we hear it again. We'll just keep turning stuff off until it's just my voice, and I'm good with that because I can talk really loud if I need to. (laughs) We're like, we know. We've heard it. (laughs) How many have enjoyed this Love Language series all February? Okay, now who really has enjoyed it and got something out of it? Okay, cool. Cool. Well, that's good. Hey, this, God's word, it like works. <laughs> love languages. We've been talking all month about how love communicates beyond just the obvious. It starts with words. And we talked about that week one. Then we talked about the commitment behind our words. Then we talked about the honor that goes with our commitment. And today we're talking about I am second. I am second. My subject for week four of love languages is I am second. That's why when you took your seat, you found somebody, you said, because you're first. If they're first, we can't be first at the same time, right? Somebody has to go in order. And before we get into that, though, I want to tell you a couple things. How many know what an O group is? Three people. Come on, y'all. Four people. Just give me like a whoo or something. Okay, they know. Sorry, I get scared. O groups are basically our version of small groups. And any small group that 1C Church hosts is on our website. And so if you want to find out what's available, and actually, we would like to have more groups. So if you're interested in leading a group, we have a process for that. And you can email us at info at 1Cchurch.org. But I want you to know right now, if you go to 1Cchurch.org slash O groups after church, you can say find my group. And what we have at the moment is listed there. Isn't that good? So we've got some cool groups, and there's going to be dozens of these down the road. There's going to be a group for anything. This is not your traditional approach to church. This is cell group breaking out, reaching the lost through all kinds of forms of common uh, church-appropriate, you know, uh, love and, and, and conversation, and we're going to bring people together that way, get them into the house of God, grow one seed church to grow God's kingdom in heaven. That's the goal here. So if you're interested in leading a group, you don't have to be a Bible scholar for that. We have one group that just plays board games. They're just communing people. This, this, is, this is what it's about is getting people together because as much as they need a word of God, they need people more because God communicates his word through people. And so when, I'm, when I say the word of God, I mean the sermon. If they only get the sermon and they never come into the God's house, then something's still gonna be wrong with their, their soil. You gotta have people in your life. So that's good. So if you're interested in an O group or leading one, just email us at info at onecchurch.org and say, hey, I'm interested. How does it work? And we'll get right back to you on that. It's going to be good. How many had a good Saturday yesterday? (laughs) Dusty. Dustin. Dustin's our new drummer. And we met him like Friday at midnight. No, I'm kidding. We met him like Tuesday and then our other drummer got sick for our One Seed Worship video shoot yesterday. We said, hey, Dustin, you want to play in the video uh, with one day's notice? And he said, okay. And then, and then we said, hey, Dustin, our drummer's sick. Do you want to be in the picture too? And he said, okay. And he said, hey, Dustin, our drummer's sick. Do you want to play Sunday worship experience too? And he said, okay. Come on, give it up for Dustin. Talk about being thrown in the deep waters. 
within 12 hours. That's what we did. We appreciate you, Dustin. And he's funny, too, which is nice to have around. We were, we were having a good old time yesterday playing some Phil Collins. <laughs> uh, but we did the video, and um, that'll be coming out soon. And I want to shout out my son, Caleb. Caleb, you back there? Okay. Okay, don't sound so happy. You sound a little bit like your dad in reality. Um, he ran the computer the whole time. You know, when you're, when you're shooting a video, you got to play along to the track, and then you go produce it, and it looks really pretty. But he ran the computer the whole time, and then I forgot to put him in the picture of the group at the end just to, like, say he was here, and so then I felt bad. So I just wanted to shout you out, Caleb, because it was actually vital that you were here because if you hadn't been running the computer, we couldn't have done the video. So thank you, buddy. You know, dad gets really one-tracked on a certain thing, and, and my mind doesn't pay attention sometimes to the other things like just, you know, hey, there's your son. So, um, so I want to shout him out. And then so we went home, and, well, we grabbed Arby's, which evidently the world still doesn't like except me and Camilla. <laughs> still a Lion's Choice community. Is that how it goes in St. Louis? I'm from here, and I still think y'all wrong. <laughs> uh, and last night I was feeling a little exhausted from just like doing stuff. And I was trying to get in the right mind for God's word today and preach to the people and really have an anointing. And so my boys are like, dad, do you want to wrestle? And it used to be cute when they were five because I could just like ping, ping, ping. I could just throw them across the room without even trying and they, they couldn't hurt me. But now they're getting kind of strong. One's almost 12 and One's almost 11, and, and my daughters are no joke either. They're, they're, they, don't, they don't treat me like a pastor at home. Um, I would say that there's no rules at home when it comes to violence against dad. In fact, the only rules are the ones I make that I can do that they cannot, like biting. If I got to bite somebody to get free, I'll do it. I know it sounds horrible, but last night, I mean, they're trying to end me at like eight at night and I'm struggling to even stay conscious because I got up like at five in the morning and then we did this video and then we went to Arby's and then I'm trying to get in the spirit of the Lord and, and bask in that as they're trying to pull my head off. Anybody else do this? <laughs> and so, so at one point I bit Caleb and I bit him just hard enough that it wouldn't do damage. I was like, oh, that didn't really hurt, did it? And he's like, well, it left a teeth mark, dad. Oh, I know y'all think we're crazy. Sometimes. I'm like, all right, I should probably shouldn't bite them that hard, but I got to do what I got to do because they're trying to take me out. And if they took me out, we wouldn't be here today preaching God's word. Amen. So just, just remember when you hear the crazy, that's what, that's what has to happen sometimes. And so then it got even better, Brian, like, like after we're done and I'm, I'm like going to have to go to bed like at seven 30 cause I can't function now. Colton's like, Dad, can I, can I test my choke hold on you? I was like, well, how did you even know how to choke? Did I show you that, Colton? I couldn't even remember. And I said, what, is it better now? Like it might actually work this time? <laughs> uh, and so he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know how to do it right this time. And so now it's like, you know, I'm about to pass out from exhaustion, and, and I'm letting Colton put, put a choke on me, and um, you know, his arms are kind of short. So what happens is it turns into a stranglehold. And that's not legal in MMA. 
And so then I'm having to show him, like, and just keep my chin there so I don't die. And I say, buddy, that's a strangle. That's, that's illegal. That'll kill dad versus just putting me, you know, to sleep for a bit. And so we were trying to go through that, and his arms eventually will be long enough, and then I'm going to have to really bite somebody. And then, and then they're like, Caleb says, yeah, in, in like three years, dad. He's shaking his head like, in three years, dad, I'll be 15. And I say, yeah, and dad will turn it up too. <laughs> Especially when there's two y'all. I said, I'm just going to turn up a side you haven't seen yet. And, and, and then, and then uh, I was telling Michelle about it like last night or this morning, and she didn't know about that. And she goes, yeah, in like three years, just wait. I was like, what, what, what are you saying? You're, saying? you're saying the same thing as them. I feel a little outnumbered here. I'm going to have to start getting some Rocky theme music going and training and protect myself because they're going to end dad in three years with their, no, they, they know the rules. Only I can hurt them. They can't hurt me. Only I can bite them. But all this to share, like I was thinking, where did this come from? And we like to watch, you guessed it, MMA. All the time. If you're at the Gwaltney house, we either have MMA on or Daniel Tiger or home videos or these fail videos that I can't stand to watch. How many have seen the fails on YouTube? I, I, don't, I get a little depressed by some of these, but Colton is just obsessed with the run videos and the fail videos and all this stuff. And I'm seeing these like, one of them's like a Lamborghini crashing into a, a department store. And I'm like, oh my Lord, this is horrible. Why are we watching this? But it led to me realizing that one of those things is we watch a lot of the MMA and that's been just part of our, our upbringing. And I remember this fighter from way back in the day. How many ever watched like MMA or violence? Everybody, that's good. I thought y'all were saints and I was the only sinner that watched a little. No, I'm just playing. We like it for the sake of the competition. And there was this fighter named Vitor Belfort back in the day. How many remember Vitor, the phenom, 19 years old, just destroying everybody from Brazil? He's just this kid. And, and, and I watched him through his whole career from the time I was like, I don't know, maybe early teens into marriage. And... Um, he used to do these octagon interviews, and this is a really long segue into the point that I'm getting to for today's word, but I promise it'll make sense. When he did the interviews, he'd always wear this shirt that says, I am second. And I'm like, I know what he's going to say, but the world didn't know what he, what he meant because he was bringing it to a world who didn't know anything about the gospel. It was weird, and how dare him promote that on a platform that some would call contradictory to the text, and I'm not going to say there's, I agree with some of that. And um, I am second because he is first. I am second. He would say, Jesus is first. I am second. Jesus is first. And, you know, he was from Brazil, and he had this really cool accent, and I can't reproduce it, and he was really bold about it. And that's what I remember more than any highlight that he ever had winning a fight or losing. I remember him wearing these black and white, I am second t-shirts. And so that planted the seed in me. And I can say, honestly, today, this word may not be here if I hadn't seen that when I was like 18 years old or something. Like God did something with that. And so sometimes God will do something with a seed in an environment that doesn't feel holy. God, oh, I'm going to preach to somebody today. God will, God will do something amongst the sinners that you think is just, just reprobate minds. And in the middle of it, there's a seed planted that actually landed on something. And 20 years later, good came from it. Is that possible? If everything was always holy, how do we reach the lost?
I'm not justifying sin. In fact, I'm very much, I I don't contone sin. I'm a very, you know, Bible-driven guy when it comes to old-fashioned values and such. But I can tell you that if you never talk to them, if you never never plant into the, the gardens that are not like yours, you can't expect others to change. If we keep it to ourselves, how good would that be? My dad went and visited the church we got married in a few weeks ago. And I love him to death, the church. I love my dad too. And it was the exact same as when my brother, my brother got married there. I got married there. It was the exact same 40 people. Now, I don't know about y'all. That's not the Bible. Now, I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong, but that's not the Bible. When it becomes about just maintaining what you have for yourself, that is not the great commission. You've been commissioned to take it out. So that like, you know, I actually wasn't surprised by that because their vision is not to do that. The vision in a lot of places is to just make what we have be sustaining for who we have and is a self-inclusive resort for the, for the saints. But that is not the gospel I want to preach, and that's not the gospel I want to serve. So when we started the church, we said the only way this can go forward according to the scripture as we see it is to take it somewhere. That's why we push O groups. That's why we push put our people to go out in the world and say something about Jesus. I am second t-shirts, bumper stickers. I saw Mike Sebastian today on the road and it said, one seat church on the back of this truck. And that planted a seed in me and I'm the pastor. So what I'm telling y'all is that is, that is gospel is to do something with it. So that's what this I am second thing is about is doing something with it but the world teaches that we are to consume it to win. How do we, we call it prosperity. How do we prosper yet let others go first? Are we gaining by giving them an opportunity that could be ours? You ever feel like someone sidestepped you in line for a promotion? Come on, somebody who has a job. And you know that there's been times, even when you didn't want to feel that way, you felt like maybe it wasn't fair because they weren't, they weren't as senior as you, they weren't there as long as you, but somehow they got around you and got elevated in your mind and you felt like you lost, right? Well, that may be the world's motto, but with God, it's, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. How do we share yet have enough? The thought that building means acquisition is a facade. How many know what a facade is? It's an illusion that leads to emptiness when we take others out of the equation. There is no greater uh, love, the Bible says, than to lay down your life for a friend. Jesus said that. This is not only relevant to Jesus on the cross for our sins, but the question becomes, what are we willing to lay down in everyday life so that those we love may be blessed and raised up in the image of God because of our faithfulness? What are we doing with this gospel? I am second, says Christ. If you want to really know, if you want someone, excuse me, to really know you love them, always put them first. Because pure love says, I'm talking about pure love, 
not artificial love, not conditional love. Pure, unconditional love says, I am second. I'm second. So I want to give you all a, a test this morning. It's called the if test. Who wants to take the if test with me? Me and Mike want to take the if test. All right, Chloe, the if test. I know y'all want to take it too. I'm just messing with y'all. I know it's weird. We're like, are we in school? We got to raise our hand. Yeah. Yeah. God wants you to participate because the more you participate, the more you open up the garden. It's the gateway to the heart. And when we, when we do those little things, the big things start feeling natural. That's why we promote that and preach that because we need that in our life. Let's look at verse one real quick, Jen. Therefore, if, and Jen, you can keep this up for a minute. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, let's pause there. Has anyone here found encouragement from being united with Christ? Okay, do you share that? with others. Someone's like, oh, yes, I do. Good, good. I like this. Can anybody tell me, this is, this is going out on a limb. Has anybody ever been guilty of not doing that, though you've been encouraged? And, and guess what? We can do both sometimes, right? Amen to that. I'm preaching to me. Some, I'm preaching to myself here. It depends what frame of mind you catch me in. If I'm in the wrong mind, it's about me because I'm on a, I'm on a mission for me in that moment. But it doesn't mean I, I disagree with the scripture. It means I, I forget about it. Okay, so the second thing is if any comfort, if you found any comfort from his love, are you comforted by his love? Have you been comforted by his love in a season that's just so bad you've never even wanted to talk about it? But you know that God comforted you. If I, if I can get an amen to that and a truth to that, raise your hand. So have you shared that kind of consolation to someone else? You know, the best testimony or the best witness is the one who knows how you feel. And that's not always the pastor. It's the people. That, yeah, I heard a half a clap. That's good because we need, we need whole claps for that. Because if you don't have anybody connecting with people and what they feel, they feel alone. And so that's why anybody who has a story, someone can share your story with you. But you got to share your testimony. The last bit of verse one, excuse me, comfort, we covered. If any common sharing in the spirit. Okay, here's the third one. So this is, I don't want to be too, too theological here and like dissect it and make a mess of this. But, but sharing in the spirit, like there's something you felt God do in your life. I'm not talking about just being encouraged and being comforted, but there's something God, some kind of fruit God has put in you. Have you ever shared that with anybody else? Have you ever asked them if they wanted the banana or the apple, the fruit? See, I'm being funny here. Like, like have you ever shared that fruit? Camilla, really? Like our Arby's. We share our Arby's in my house, I mean Camilla. She's my one-year-old. And she's talking to dad, or she's talking to somebody. And um, she shares what she gets. She does this. She puts it in her mouth, pulls it out all gross, and hands it to me. And then I'm like, put it on the table. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to eat that. But I would if I had to, because I'm second, and she's first. The last part of verse one, if any tenderness 
and compassion. This is probably, this is the one I probably personally see the least in the community is compassion. I mean, we're always in a race, you know, everything's in a hurry, like traffic. Do you feel compassion on the road when you're driving to church? Why not? I mean, aren't we all going to church on Sunday mornings that are in the car? Sometimes that compassion is not given by us because we're in a hurry. Uh, Today was kind of funny because I was in a hurry because I was running later than usual and I had to use the restroom. So I was shooting to the gas station and I was getting all up on somebody's grill by accident and it was Mike Sebastian. (laughs) And I saw a one-seat church sticker. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I knew it was Mike because that wasn't a sticker that came from our church. And I remember a couple years ago, this is how weird I am. I knew Mike printed his own sticker. Mike printed his own sticker on his own without the church giving it to him because he wants to share something. Now, Mike, it's so cool, and Christine did too, and because all these years have passed, and here is the pastor all up on your grill because I drank too much coffee, and I'm seeing one seat church staring at me, and I'm like, oh, Lord, what are they going to think? And then I realized it was Mike, and we're family. I'm like, okay, sorry, Mike, I texted him, ha-ha. But all, all that little effort of him putting that there came back full circle to me all these years later. That is doing something with God's word. Now, the compassion and tenderness piece, there's a thing, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Empathetic, empathy. There's a thing where you can disagree, but be compassionate to who you disagree with. That's what's important. I'm not going to say yes to everything, but I'm going to still love them the same, and I will respect them as human beings, but I'm going to be compassionate and tender to the fact that that's something maybe they relate to that I don't still. It's something they still really feel. Is this making sense? So that's where, as a Christian, we're to be tender and compassionate with our brethren, no matter where, what, when, why. It doesn't matter. Jesus said, I am the least. He's the servant. He, he reduced himself to not only second, but last. Pure love says, I am second. That's the if test. And the if test can vary in its results day by day, depending on what time you take it. So I I encourage you to take the if test once a week. Don't take the if test on Sundays when you're at church, because that's when you're going to feel the best about it. Take the if test when you leave work on Tuesday at 5 o'clock and you're in rush hour, and you feel different because your if test can become your because reason instead. It can can be twisted into a, a, a because reason. Well, I could live as, as a Christian in that way uh, if this didn't happen um, because, insert reason. What do we call that? An excuse, right? We're human. We can have an excuse once in a while. But if because is always the answer, something's wrong with the soil. Is that making sense? We've got to make the if test is positive and outcome as possible 
And if we got to take it every day until it's muscle memory, they say 21 days makes a habit. Take the if test 21 days in a row, and I get you by, I, I, I bet you by day 23, you're going to be a master at the if results. A plus without even thinking about it. Because, because you have to be trained in the word of God. You have to hear it first. Hearing scripturally is more than it hitting your brain. It's, it's, it's understanding and applying is hearing. They have ears to hear, but they hear me not, says Christ. So first you have to hear this thing, and then you have to be trained in it to do something with it, and that takes repetition. Just like reading, praying, praising, it all takes repetition. You don't get in the car when you're 16 and on day one, drive up to the license bureau. You get in there and practice, scare mom and dad, they, 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 they give them a heart attack, and then you go to the license bureau, and, and then you fail, and then you get another test when you go to the other school that's easier, and they give you an A. I'm talking about my, my road to driving here. Uh, I went to the first school. After my mom one time, she grabbed the wheel, thought I was going to hit a construction worker. It was great. And, uh, and she's Italian. And she's like, Jeffrey! And you know, I'm like, whoa, don't touch the wheel, mom. You know, it's just your car and I'm 15 and I'm scared to death that she's going to kill us all, you know, but she thought I was going to kill her. And it was like, like uh, that takes practice and now I'm a good driver, but I'm 44. I didn't drive as good when I got my permit. Well, I got my permit. I just thought that's all I need to do. That's it. How many know Christians like that? That's it. How many know what sanctification is? Just because you've been touched doesn't mean you're done growing. Just because you felt the presence of God, just because you weep doesn't mean God's done. That's a sign that he's trying to start more. And it never stops. You're being sanctified through the process. Amen, Camilla. Pure love says, I am second always. But nobody likes losing. Just like last night, is as real as I know their strength is, I'm not going to let them win because I don't want to lose to my boys when they're trying to hurt me. Though sometimes I just say, can we stop now? This hurts. And I'm real nice. And then Colton, he just never wants to stop. Colton, Colton was laughing so hard last night. He goes, stop, Dad. I can't breathe. I'm laughing so hard. And I'm like, Colton, you, you can breathe because you're laughing. And, and it was funny because he, he was, he wasn't, they're, they're hurting me while I'm supposed to tickle them. And he was, he was laughing so hard, he started to panic. <laughs> I can't breathe. Stop that. I'm laughing so hard. It's all business when we're in those moments. But the reality is sometimes I don't want to be in that. I want to stop and let them just, just win. Because nobody likes losing, though, is the, is the reason that's a rare thing. We think not being selfish is losing. What is it, Charlie Sheen? Winning. We think source of truth. We think tiger blood. I had a tiger blood uh, Italian shaved ice over the weekend. Anybody had that? It's really good. It's just a flavor. It's not real tiger blood. That would be really weird. (laughs) Sorry, not for me. But nobody likes losing because they think that not being selfish is losing. They call it me time. People need me time, uh, for sure. But it can become only me time. There's the difference. Like, everybody does need me time. Because if you don't have me time, you can't be strong to give. 
And you can't have strength in the public if you don't have some privacy in the private, excuse me, with God to strengthen who you are as an individual. But if it's always only me time, and that's where it stops, that's consumption without distribution, then we stop growing. We stop growing. The garden, you know, they cultivate seed. It comes from the plant that grew before it. Like, that's how it keeps it going, you know, and it, it becomes fertilizer for the next season. So, so not to be weird here, but we're, we have to, like, keep reproducing fertilizer by, by giving God's w- word away so that the harvest keeps coming back. But if we do nothing with it, it, it doesn't come back. And it may come back a little better than the season before, but it'll start dissipating season by season. And a, a couple generations later, you've got a garden that used to be strong. And people go, what happened to God's church? People are so blown away by what happened in Kentucky. They forget that that's the way it's always supposed to be. They are so numb to to the politically correct uh, latte gospel that they forgot what the Bible actually says it should be. And I'm not knocking a type of worship or nothing like that, but when we come so so numb to, to the power of God, How do we expect a mountain to be moved? Jesus had the same problem in his hometown because they didn't have any faith because he was just a carpenter with a hammer and a nail. It wasn't that he lacked the ability. It's because they had no faith. And so when we reciprocate the faith by being second and giving in place of ourselves, we win. We're not losing. It's cyclical. Remember, it goes out and it comes back to us. Through blessing, provision, God only gives it because you were supposed to give it. And as we give it away, he gives us more. And as he grows things, you become abundant. You getting this? You become abundant. You're not becoming abundant by holding all the, all the manna that's going to spoil in your, in your shed. You got to give it away because abundance comes by giving it away. So to give is to gain. And to hold is to lose. So to prosper, according to the world, leaves you as an empty CEO who has nothing and wonders why life has no meaning. That's why. Because it's consumption without distribution back. It keeps, I'm not getting political here. I'm talking about God's word, distributing blessing, distributing the word, speaking love out, speaking life out that came in. If it came in, He says, do you share? Do you comfort? Do you do this, this, and this? And if the answer is no, then you got to work on the if test. Paul says, do these things and show you have the mind of Christ Jesus, one mind, one accord, being like-minded, the same love, being in one spirit, unified. There's only one way to have one spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit, because he is the DNA that, that, that recumbents the, the strands of the church as one, and without it, you are not one. Well, that just sounds like this or that, and I've talked to God. You know what? God says, anybody that calls on my name, I will give him everything I've got is what Jesus said. Nobody shall be withheld from the gifts of God. But if we keep telling ourselves we can't have that and somebody did this different, we can't expect the unified one mind, one place, one accord that we see in Acts. That's why it was one. Sorry to be preaching today. It's kind of like the thing to do. 
is this getting into somebody's heart today? All right. The enemy wants you to keep it all, but God says to keep is to give. To gain is to give up control. I feel like if I let my boys win, I'm going to lose. To gain is to give up. When I trust God, I put God first. I can't put God, I'm gonna, this is going to be good, Jen. I'm going to get there in a minute. But the first step is if I don't trust God, I'm not putting him first. Well, I trust him. We're going to go there. <laughs> I'm talking to me here too. So I got to keep it real for myself. That cyclical movement between God and our relationships, that's why there's a connection here. That's why love shows this way, because love shows through the image of God through us, and he keeps giving more. And so that's the motion here. That's the love language. When I trust God, I commit to them. When I love God, I love them that way. And if it's not that way, it's not the same love. And it's not love, therefore. Their needs are my needs. When they hurt, I hurt. That's God's love. That is the love the church is meant to demonstrate. And we can't conquer the world in a day. So what some people do is they take on such a burden with that statement and they go out and do nothing because it's too heavy of a load. God said, don't go move the mountain. Just go bless somebody in, in line at Target. God, go do something just this big. That's what I'm saying. Pure love says I am second. And I am second because Jesus, come on somebody, is first. So they're first. Because Jesus is first. And I can't be first if Jesus is first, not first. And I can't be first if, 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 if they're going after me. Therefore, I am second because Jesus is first, which means I am second and they will be first. Whoever, anytime, anywhere. This is the approach to all. In verse 3, he said, do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or in vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. This is not to mean you're worthless to yourself. you got to love yourself and have confidence in God's word. This is meaning you're putting the needs of those you come across before your own, and you know, because God has done it before, when you do that, you will be lifted up. You will recoup the blessing you, you pray for. Because that's the only way, because it's cyclical. The provision keeps coming, and then all of a sudden, you're abundant. And when you're abundant, you don't have nothing left but to give it away because your storehouse is full. And that's what we want to get. We want to get to where the storehouse is so full, all we can do is give all the time. And that's not just your church. That's your life. That's the witness. That's the witness people are desperately hungering for. They're not hungering for you to tell them how bad they are. They already know they're convicted. That's why they came to see the church, just like you. 
I didn't come to church because I felt great about it. I came to church because I got desperate for God to do something in my life and it wasn't working on my own. So when they get here, you don't need to tell them they're already broken because they already know. You need to tell them there's hope, there's encouragement, and God's going to do something with them in the future that's bigger than they ever seen. That's how the church grows. People don't need more negativity. They need encouragement. Yes, Sister Camilla. Oh, we went old school there. We called her sister. Brother Gwaltney. Oh, I've had people call me Pastor Gwaltney. It feels weird. Just call me Pastor Jeff, please. No, they're just trying to be respectful, but that's the term I heard when I was a kid to my great uncle. And um, it just feels weird, but it's, it's totally fine. Whatever. Um. Before we close, I want to go through this part here where Paul refers to verses 7 through 11. Oh, she said, Dada. Yes, yes, baby. I am second because Jesus is first. Watch this. Verse 7. Rather, he, Paul's talking about Christ here, and he's referring to prophecy here. He's, he's, He's speaking the prophecy here that's about Jesus. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to the cross. Therefore, everybody say, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Why? Because he was first? No, because he was second. He exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. He didn't keep it. He gave all. And look where God put the Messiah above all, that every name should bow. Come on, somebody. This is the heaven speaking, that every knee will bow to the only name that can save us from our sins. That's Jehovah saves. Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh in the flesh, the word made flesh. That's Jesus. That's what Jesus means. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I am second, understands. Y'all can stand here as we close this. I am second, understands that the servant mindset leads to righteousness. Jesus understood that the servant mindset leads to eternal righteousness and righteousness here on earth. God is leading me somewhere. I don't need what they have. If we make ourselves nothing, God will exalt us to the highest place. I mentioned wrestling with my boys last night, and the reality is that someday they're going to be bigger than me, they're going to be stronger than me, and they're going to beat me in arm wrestling. Like, I'm not good at it, but I remember beating my grandpa in arm wrestling in the seventh grade, and the poor guy was like 85, and I thought I did something spectacular there. And I'm thinking, man, when I'm 85, I hope my arm don't break. And my grandpas were willing to arm wrestle me, and, and I beat my grandpa, and I remember being happy and sad at the same time because I felt a transition of the baton moving. You getting this? 
And so my boys someday are going to do the same to me. And I'm not going to be mad. It's, a, it's just me playing when we're wrestling. But the reality is, if, a, if harms enters their way, guess who's jumping in the middle without even thinking twice about it? It's their dad. It's their mom. Y'all don't want to see Michelle get mad. She's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. When she goes there, she'll just, she'll just go after him more vicious than dad because she's a protective mama bear. And that's what it's supposed to be. And when it has to happen, you'll jump in the crossfire and be second so that they can be spared no matter what. And someday they're gonna be like, dad, don't do that, you're too old. I'll protect you, dad. But they'll never stop a parent's heart from wanting to protect the child. So I'll go there no matter what until they gotta pull me off, you know? My heart won't change, though my physical ability may change, my heart won't change. Because I am second, they are first. And when you have a child, they are first. There'll always be first. If you want to know the love of God, just look at your child. You can connect with God's love for you. No better way, in my opinion, than looking at your child or the love of a child. If you don't have a child, you can, you can still look onto the child and see that that is pure love. And so that's what I am second says, that no matter what, I will let them go first. When they form the line in Thanksgiving, we're going to the back, baby. They may run out of turkey. That's okay. I got enough to eat anyway. And guess what I have? I know in my heart that I gave it all that day. I know in my heart that I planted a seed in them, that they may have been hungry, but I was faithful. They may have been hungry for what's on the table in the moment, but I was full from the feast in the heavens. And I already ate that day because I had been with God first. And so I knew that I could step back and grow them because I'm second and I'm planting by that. And God's going to root it. God's going to root that in somebody today. I want you to leave here today and have the I am second mentality. Take the if test on Wednesday and by Friday be passing all three with A pluses. And you're going to find your life changes. Your life's going to change. Look to your neighbor and say, your life's going to change. Look to yourself in the selfie camera and say, my life is changing by the word of God. Because, because iron sharpens iron. And when I put God's word in me, that's sharpening me. And that's what I need to grow to become a witness and really demonstrate God's love. I, God's love. We can be loving, but we are called to demonstrate God's love. Every head bowed, every hand lifted. Let's do this one mind like Paul requests of the church of Philippi. One mind with every head bowed, every hand lifted, every, every eyes closed, no one's looking. Let's do this together because there's power in numbers. And when you do it alone, it doesn't work. But when you do it together, there's power. And God will move mountains when there's power. And in order to draw power, we have to do it together. So we call upon your name, God, that the name that every knee should bow to and every Every tongue should, should profess because you are Lord and there is no name above you. And we claim it right now. We declare it, God. Make us into the image that you'd have us be as one seat church, the Christian church of the gospel. That's what we are. What do we believe? We believe your word, God, and that's, that's all there is to it. We take it into the world. We believe for the future. We know the future is bright. The walls are coming down. The church walls are going up. Everything is changing and we witness it and we give all the gratitude and all the thanks right now because it's because of your your source Lord your spirit your fervent way to never deny your children who are faithful that your promise will come to fruition and they can take that example because I speak
relate to that in my own life. They can take that example that if they plow for God, they will be blessed, God. Tell them right now who's hurting that doesn't want to share what's going on with them that if they plow right now, you will bless them because you will not forbid them the promise that is just as much for them as it is for I or for the other witness that we are all the same, broken without you. And so we are thankful for that. And we know that's the word of God. And we can stand all that. And we glorify your name because of that. And if the house of God can say together, in Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen.